everybody. You are listening to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast, where we will be tackling real financial issues so women can eliminate fear and take charge of their lives. I am your host, Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. So let's get to it. If you find yourself overwhelmed with credit card debt, I want you to take action. I don't want you to be paralyzed with fear or look at this mountain debt and think that it's insurmountable or have a devil-may-care attitude and hope that it will resolve itself because it absolutely will not resolve itself. I am not debt-shaming anybody here because God knows I've been a person who has had to deal with this situation not once but twice, and I had to learn my lessons the hard way. What I want is for you not to rob yourself of your future stability and security by not addressing your lingering credit card debt immediately. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. Today's podcast is going to be a discussion about my nemesis, and those are debt, diet, and alcohol. These are the three things that I spend a lot of time trying to keep under control and not go off the deep end and do too much of all of it. So this is a two-part series, and this part one series is going to be about the psychology of debt, the why. Why are we getting into debt? Why do we remain in debt? And what is our psychology behind this, right? I always feel if we understand the why of why we're doing something, that helps us to come up with a solution to stop overdoing it. That's my theory, and that's what's worked for me. So, like I said, this is going to be the first part about the psychology of debt. Second part in the next podcast that I do is going to be how to attack it, what's a good strategy, or what are the strategies that I recommend to pay it down. But let's just talk about it now as far as the why. So we all have things in our lives that we struggle with and the things that we struggle to control, and and there are things that we also strive to accomplish For me, there are three things I'm always trying to control or limit in my life. And one is racking up debt. The other is eating an unhealthy diet. And the third is drinking more alcohol than I probably should. So sometimes I win this fight and sometimes it gets the better of me because I'm human, right? So I intellectually know that if I eat pizza every single night, that it probably isn't going to be great for my cholesterol and my overall health and not to mention my weight. Now, this is the thing. I absolutely love pizza and I could probably eat pizza every night. So if left to my own devices, especially on a day that I'm feeling sorry for myself, my go-to thing is I want to eat pizza. I also know that if I drink too much or if I drink a bottle of wine every night, I'm going to be groggy in the morning. I'm probably going to be wrecking my liver along the way. And not to mention, it's probably going to affect my weight again. But, you know, you have that first glass of wine after the end of a long day. And the next thing you know, you're having that second glass of wine. So you have to really be intentional about drinking the wine. And I also know if I rack up bad debt, that it's probably going to take me a very long time to pay it off. And I will be beyond stressed and overwhelmed by this bad debt. So what do I mean by bad debt? Bad debt is something that doesn't really bring you any kind of, it isn't contributing to building your net worth. So it's not like you are taking out a mortgage to buy a house that will then be part of your net worth. Bad debt generally means credit card debt. Debt that isn't really contributing to anything. It's very transitory. And it's about buying consumer goods that really aren't going to contribute to 
creating net worth for you over time. So why do I have to constantly, you know, fight not to do these things that are not particularly great for me if I do a lot of it? It's not bad if I do it in moderation, but I have to keep a check on myself on this stuff. And that's because I'm human. And sometimes that, you know, I give in to things when I know I shouldn't because I've had a bad day, I've had a bad week, I've had a bad month, or maybe I've even had a bad year. And it's easy to just let my guard down when that kind of stuff happens. So the main reason that I am really trying to consistently stay on guard against my three nemesis is because when I don't eat pizza every night and I limit it to, you know, a couple times a month or the rare occasion... I feel better. I don't, you know, I I feel like I'm eating healthier. I feel better. I have more energy, et cetera, et cetera. When I limit my drinking and maybe just drink on the weekends, I feel better during the week. I sleep better and I actually feel better. And I know that I feel better because I, I don't wake up with a headache and, you know, I'm ready to confront the day. And the third thing I know that I feel way better about is if I pay my credit cards off every month and I don't have this like big, burgeoning debt that I'm just trying to chip away at and paying, you know, paying the minimum payments on. And I don't seem to have any progress on that at any month of the year because paying minimum payments just kind of keeps the status quo. And usually while I'm doing that, if I'm not keeping check on it, I'm probably incurring more credit card debt along the way. So if I can just stay on top of these three things, I reduce stress in my life. I feel better. I have more energy. And those things aren't controlling me. I'm controlling them. So I really believe that debt and health are really, really related. There's a direct link between them. Debt and poor mental health are strongly linked. Debt is a causal agent of stress, depression, and anxiety. Sustained stress caused by ongoing debt often causes your physical well-being to suffer due to decreased quality of your sleep, higher blood pressure, and even more drinking because you're trying to avoid the whole idea about the fact that you're in debt and you've got financial problems. And honestly, I promise you, I've been in that space. In After my divorce, I had quite a bit of debt because I was using a lot of my money to pay for legal bills and I wasn't getting paid that much at my job at the beginning. And so I was using credit cards to kind of, you know, be the bridge. And honestly, I was just stressed out. My hot, my blood pressure was super high. I was producing tons of cortisol, gaining weight. It was just, you know, not a great situation always around. So this cycle can be really difficult to break. And a deteriorating financial situation leads to mental health struggles, which can then lead to difficulty managing your money because you're having mental health issues. And then paying down the debt can lead to even more problems because you can't deal with paying down the debt because you're struggling mentally and that results in your debt continuing to grow. So it's this vicious, vicious cycle in a circle. So shaky mental health can cause us to make some very poor choices like overspending to feel instant gratification for a temporary high or maybe we withdraw money from our 401k to purchase things that are not really important, they're non-essential and we're just making a lot of bad decisions. So there is this kind of vicious cycle looming out there when it comes to debt. So why am I talking about this? Well, it's because there's a lot of credit card debt out there. I'm not the only one struggling with this concept of uh, trying not to incur debt or worrying about debt. I wanted to find out what is the amount of credit card debt in America today? 
Well, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, in the first quarter of 2023, America's total credit card balance was a whopping $988 billion, or $5,700 per person. Credit card balances have risen significantly since the fourth quarter of 2021, and it may just be a matter of time before the overall debt of this country surpasses $1 trillion because of interest rates, inflation, and a potential recession in the works. So high inflation, which is coming down, but we still have higher inflation than we've had for 10 years, is pushing more consumers to put non-discretionary spending on their cards while other consumers are just struggling with the concept of paring back their spending with all these high prices, they're just used to spending a lot of money because the last 10 years, interest rates were very low and money was cheap and it was flowing like water. And so we were all, I think, spending a lot more money, but we didn't have to pay the highest interest rates like we are now because interest rates were lower. So in the last 10 years, money was a little bit easy and the interest rate environment was very low. So a 2022 Lending Tree survey reported that 65% of people said they carry a balance some of the time on their credit cards, and 46% said it would take them at least a year to pay off their current levels of credit card debt. So that's a pretty long time, a whole year, to have to pay off your credit card debt. The average interest rate, or APR, in the first quarter of 2023 was 20.92%, so almost 21% on accounts that were accruing interest. And the APR on new credit cards that were being issued was 23.98%. That's 24%. So according to the Federal Reserve, these interest rates are the highest interest rates since tracking began in 1994. So it's costing us a lot of money to keep balances on our credit cards. It's it's exorbitantly high. So I'm hoping that the 23.98% got your attention because this is very expensive debt. When I think about not paying off my credit card debt every month, I have 21%, 24% flashing in my brain thinking, Do I want to give somebody 24% of this balance? That's just complete waste of my money. We are spending years dealing with these debts with credit card fees, minimum monthly payments that don't even put a slight dent in the card balances, not to mention the time we put into managing the bills. And most importantly, we are missing opportunities to use this money that we work for to deploy it in another way that will actually make us money. So it's just bad after bad after bad. So this isn't a short-term problem for most people. And I know in my case, when I was paying off my debt after my divorce, it did take me a couple of years to get it all under control and to be on sound financial footing. And I had to be extremely disciplined. I downsized and downsized and downsized. I stopped buying clothes, essentially full stop. And if I did, I literally made sure that I bought them at places where the prices weren't very expensive because I knew that my budget couldn't afford it. And I also knew I was trying to pay this credit card debt down. And when I weighed up what makes me feel better, buying something that I can't afford or paying this debt off and getting it off my back, I chose paying the debt off. But I had to be disciplined. And I'm not saying it was the easiest thing I've ever done. But when I did 
finally pay it all off and I was feeling, you know, a little more organized and, and secure, it was the best feeling in the world. It really was the best feeling in the, in the world. So why do so many people struggle with debt and why do we remain in debt longer than we should? So again, what is the why of all of this? And there are a few reasons why people remain in debt. The first is most people fail to plan. They don't have a budget. And they rely on intuition, you know, to regulate spending. Like, should I be spending this? Eh, well, I have a little bit of room. But they don't know because they haven't done a budget. And this is a really, really bad idea. The first prong of the Financial Feminist Five-Step Plan to Financial Freedom is to budget. If you haven't listened to my podcast on the psychology of the budget, go back and listen to that now so that you understand why the budget is so important. I also recommend buying my book, the Fiscal Feminist to Financial Wake-Up Call for Women because Chapter 5 talks all about budgeting and the way to go about doing it and easy ways to do it with apps and so on and so forth so that it's not a stressor, but it's an easy way for you to keep track of things. The old adage, people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan, is spot on in this situation with debt. Without a budget, you can't forecast how much you need to sustain your household for a month and how to deal with unexpected expenses. You may not even realize that you're using credit cards to bridge the gap of what your income is compared to what you spend. Also, because you know many of us don't carry cash around, we pull out the credit card on a regular basis without monitoring spending and debt adds up before we know it because we, we don't even realize that we're buying these things sometimes. We're not keeping track of it. We don't have a budget. We don't have an app set up where when we use our credit card, it is linked to the app and the app will say, okay, you've spent this much money for the month. You've exceeded your spending limit. Stop doing it. It's a little warning because we're not budgeting. We're not making the effort to keep control of it. So this leads to the second problem and the second reason why we incur debt that we can't pay down, it's really out of control spending. You know, we can all spend money now with reckless abandon, with credit cards and with, you know, Apple Pay, because they make it so easy to buy things on impulse, right? Anything from small purchases to large purchases can be made without any money passing hands. You know, you can put a deposit down on buying a car on a credit card. Same thing for a boat. You can buy a new laptop, designer clothes, jewelry, the list goes on and on. Some of these are big ticket items and, you know, you can put them on a credit card and not even think about it because, you know, it's a problem for another day that you're going to have to pay. So one study showed that consumers are more likely to make a purchase if they have a credit card on hand and would not have made the purchase if they were paying with cash. A Dun & Bradstreet study found that people spend 12 to 18% more when using credit cards instead of cash. So because we aren't actually paying for something the minute we buy it with credit cards, it's less psychologically painful to spend your future money because we're not using any money at that moment. So we forget we're actually borrowing the money. It's not like it's free unless we pay the credit card bill off at the end of the month and not incur any interest. We are borrowing money to make that present purchase. 
Credit cards are a dangerous crutch, just like alcohol and sometimes food can be for for us. You know, there it's a way of kind of anesthetizing ourselves or to make us have instant gratification to make ourselves feel better because we're not happy about something. This concept equally applies to high earners who have access to high amounts of debt because they can qualify for credit cards with higher limits. They also can apply for loans that require collateral if they have more assets, but it often means that they spend even more money because they have access to greater debt. So it doesn't just apply to people who might be struggling. It's a concept. It's a frame of mind. It's the way we think about spending and the way we think about debt. And it's really easy for us to think that, you know, debt is not a bad thing because we're paying for something that our future selves have to pay for with it. And we're not thinking about it at the moment. But here's the thing. A 2016 Journal of Consumer Research study concluded that people who pay cash actually form an increased emotional bond with the products that they buy with cold, hard cash, and they actually enjoy them more. And why is that? Because they know that they're paid for and they don't, they're not worried about the bill coming next month or not being able to pay it off. And then this thing growing and growing and growing and growing over months and months and months. And then whatever they bought is now three times more expensive when you add all the interest payments for not having paid it off in the first place. So it's just insidious. A third reason that people often cannot pay their debt off or they incur a lot of debt is because they have limited cash flow. When we take on too much debt, we often find out that we're not earning enough to pay off our credit cards while, and the interest and the other fees that are associated with the credit cards, while we're also paying our fixed expenses like our mortgage, our rent, our childcare, food, so on and so forth, insurance. And this means that We've incurred all this debt, but we don't have enough money, any extra money to pay down the balance. And so all of this stuff is just now, again, ballooning. So you can cut back on your discretionary expenses. That is the things that you want, but that you don't need. So the things that you really want, you spend money on, you can cut back on those because you know that you don't need them. You can get a part-time job or a side hustle to get more cash in to pay off the balances. These are, you know, the disciplined things that you're going to have to do to get this debt under control. And it might be a big ask for some people. They just aren't going to be inclined to want to do it. But if they don't do it, then this thing never goes away. And the last thing anybody wants to do is declare bankruptcy because that will sit on your credit report for a very long time and it will affect your overall ability to build net worth because people are not going to want to lend to you. And if and when they do, it's going to be at usuriously high rates because you're a bad credit risk. The fourth reason is unemployment or underemployment. If we're suddenly unemployed and we don't have an emergency fund, it becomes almost impossible to pay off debts. And sometimes then we have to lean on the cards while we're looking for new work. So going back to chapter five of my book and the five steps to financial freedom, one of those steps is to have an emergency fund. If you don't have three to six months worth of money saved, in the case of an emergency, a medical problem, you lose your job, your hours get cut back, and you have to have a little bit of wiggle room there with some cash on hand, that what are you going to do if you don't have the cash on hand? You're going to use your credit cards. So this is a problem. If you suddenly have some situation and you just don't have any liquidity, there's no money to help you get through that problem, then you're going to look at those credit cards and start charging because that's your only option. I also did this during my divorce because, you know, I had a lot of legal fees and I wasn't making enough money. 
but it just caused me a lot of aggravation over the years. I did, like I said, I did pay it down. It took a lot of discipline and um, I never want to go back to that space again. So you may have to, you know, just take some action that you don't really want to because it's uncomfortable. But honestly, I would encourage you to do so. I would also encourage everyone to think about building their rainy day fund, their emergency fund, because this is the situation. It will be your lifesaver if, you know, something comes up and it will help you from making things worse by incurring debt because you didn't have it. The fifth thing that causes people to incur debt and keep the debt hanging around is because they have marriage problems. Again, this was something that I think I suffered from as well. If you and your partner can't agree on how or what to spend money on, and you aren't philosophically aligned about spending and debt, it can lead to a lot of problems with one partner maybe racking up a lot of debt that maybe in both of your names that you might end up both being responsible for, even though one party didn't have anything to do with it. Money and debt are often a major source of marital stress. And I I think I've read and I've quoted my book, you know, 82% of marital problems are focused on money. Often it's not about how much money, it's about how money is spent. And I've discussed this at length because I think we all have to understand that money is inextricably tied to all aspects of our lives, including our relationships. They're a big part of our relationships. I wish it weren't so, but when we start commingling our money with people, we are not only entering a partnership for love and affection, we're entering a business partnership as well because we're combining our finances. And when we start commingling debt, This can have a very bad effect on one partner's situation if the other partner is out there, you know, spending tons of money on a credit card and the other partner doesn't know, which is why everyone should always check their credit report when they are commingling their debt just to make sure that someone else isn't doing something they're not aware of. So, you know, I will say to you, discussing finances and debt with your partner in a transparent and honest way is the best thing that you can do to prolonging your relationship and showing trust and love with each other. I mean, even the, the thing is, even if you get divorced, you may be responsible for the marital debt payoff that you didn't incur. You could even have a divorce decree that says that partner one is responsible for X debt. If partner one doesn't pay X debt, it's joint debt, the credit card company is not a party to that decree. They are not beholden to it. So they're going to go after partner two and they don't want to hear about some divorce decree because trust me, I was in that situation and said, but I'm not responsible on the divorce decree to pay for this. And their response was, well, tough luck because we weren't a party to the divorce decree. We're not bound by that holding. So I'm telling you, it's a slippery slope with this stuff. I discuss money languages in my book and money personalities. And I highly recommend that you read through that section because I think it helps you to figure out what your money personality is. And then it helps you to figure out how to speak to your partner about money and how to you know, get on the same page and plan and budget and set goals together. The sixth thing that causes people to stay in debt and not pay it down is that they're just not financially educated. Many people just don't know where to begin with paying off debt. And one study found that two-thirds of Americans could not pass a basic financial literacy test. They didn't understand the effects of basic financial concepts. Maybe they don't understand that paying the minimum amount off every month 
it just doesn't make a dent in anything because you're still often incurring more debt and that minimum amount is barely paying the interest on this. So it's just interest upon interest on growing amounts and people don't get that that minimum payment, it's just smoke and mirrors. It is, it's not going to accomplish anything. I don't understand why we don't have financial literacy as a requirement in high school, honestly. This is more important than a lot of other things that we're learning. And I also believe the national economy and our personal economies would be way better if somewhere along the line in our formative years, we were taught financial literacy. So with that being said, we have to take it upon ourselves to be knowledgeable about budgeting, about debt, about saving. So we have to be proactive. There are so many resources out there. There's my book. There's a million other books on Amazon you could buy. There are things on the internet. You know, do your research, become knowledgeable. This is as important as any other thing you're going to do in your life. You can be a workaholic and make tons of money, but if you don't know how to manage your money and you're spending like a crazy person, all the work in the world isn't going to get you out of that. So you need to understand how to deal with your money and you need to be proactive. You're not allowed to be lazy. And the good news is you don't have to stay in debt forever if you take action. You know, you have to just wake yourself up and just say, okay, I'm going to take action now and I'm going to get this totally organized. I'm going to pay the debt down. I'm going to have an emergency fund and I'm going to start thinking long-term about, you know, putting money away so that when I do retire, I'm not going to just be living on my social security check. All this stuff is, is related and linked, right? If you find yourself overwhelmed with credit card debt. I want you to take action. I don't want you to be paralyzed with fear or look at this mountain of debt and think that it's insurmountable or have a devil may care attitude and hope that it will resolve itself because it absolutely will not resolve itself. I am not debt shaming anybody here because God knows I've been a person who has had to deal with this situation not once but twice and I had to learn my lessons the hard way. So what I want is for you not to rob yourself of your future stability and security by not addressing your lingering credit card debt immediately. After creating your budget and understanding how you spend your money, the most important next step for you to do is to pay down all credit card debt and make sure you are building a good credit history. And once you pay it down, to not start racking it up again, because that happens over and over again. Happened to me, happens to a million people where I read their stories. It's just, you know, it's like anything. It's like, it's like alcohol, right? You have that one drink and then you want to have that second drink and so on and so forth. So don't rob yourself of future financial stability because it will affect your health as well, right? If you have a health problem, you go to the doctor and try to figure out how to fix it so that you can stay healthy. This is as important as going to the doctor because if you don't, you may end up having health problems over it because you get so stressed out. So the point of this podcast is for you to ponder the why of your debt honestly, and that is the first step to solving the problem. I have had to do this throughout my life a couple times, and I think I'm in a good place about it, but it's still a struggle, you know? Sometimes I want to buy things I shouldn't buy, or I think I want to buy it, and I know I, you know, maybe I can't pay the credit card bill off because it's too much, and then I think to myself, wait a minute, this is going to cause you so much stress, it's just not worth this 
kind of moment of gratification and joy that you think you're going to get from this. That's why I carry more cash around now. And I try to pay things in cash when I can, because it helps to keep me on track from just plunking that credit card down. So if you take anything away from this today, it's just to ponder the why of your debt and to get your head around the fact that you really should do something about it. Part two will be coming up in the next podcast that I do. And that's going to be about how to eliminate the enemy of credit card debt, what steps to take, and what are some of the you know recommended strategies for each of us to getting rid of this nasty problem. Thanks for listening. I hope this will inspire you to change your behavioral patterns and that you will use the money that you've been using to pay your credit card debt with to build your net worth instead. Thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you for listening today to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And I would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at The Fiscal Feminist or check out the website fiscalfeminist.com. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.